Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Tom Tool. Well, I mean, this is just the most amazing podcast I think I'm ever going to do. I could do another thousand, and this will be the best one. You better search for better guests, man. I mean, that's. Uh, <laughs> I think you. I think you need to really reevaluate how you're grading these things. If I'm going to be the most exciting one. So give give everybody a little that doesn't know you the little details about your background, how you got into real estate, where you're from, all that stuff. Sure. So, my father has sold real estate since 1978. I got licensed when I was Tom Tool Senior, uh, Junior actually. Junior. junior. So what does that make you? I'm the third. Double Junior. No, it's the third. Three. Oh, like RG three. Yes. TT three. TT three. My Love son it. is actually TT four, but we call him Leo. Ooh, T four. He yes. can go T four. Yes. So like he's that. uh, we kept it going. Um, so uh, I got licensed when I was 19. Sold a couple homes. That's Tool with an E, if you're wondering. Yes. Yes. Used to be O Tool. Lost the O at some point, I'm sure. So um, got licensed when I was 19, sold a couple houses on summer vacation from college. And I said, wow, this is way better than accounting and finance. And the checks are bigger. And I'm not going to be doing journal entries the rest of my life. So got into real estate. Um, fast forward 17 years later. Uh, this year, our team's going to sell over 300 properties. Um, we've got a 10-person team. Per, per, per agent productivity is about 25, 26 units, which is something I'm very proud of. Um, so, yeah, and that's Byron and I got connected um, through coaching, but also with this 5 a.m. call that we're doing. I'm sure you guys heard about that. Uh, it's Byron's baby. That he's had. It's not my baby. Besides his baby bo- uh, baby girl at home, the, uh, <laughs> the, other, the, the other baby. So, um, yeah, I mean. That's everybody's is, baby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So yeah, so um, we, and we're we're big on prospecting. I think that would probably be the biggest way to describe our our team. You have a major SEAL team. That ten people, three hundred units. I mean, that's like that's the advanced level SEAL team. You know, I, I feel like we're really only scratching the surface. Besides two agents on our team, everyone else is two years or less in the business. Really? Yeah. Um, What's the secret sauce? There, well, first of all, there is no secret. The stuff you hear, like it's make all your just calls every day, just make your calls every day. The, 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 the thing is, salespeople, good salespeople are not created. They are found. So if you find the right person, they can be really successful at real estate. Our best agents on our team were a former title rep, one owned a dry cleaner, and the third was a bartender, and the fourth was a regional manager at Sears. So they have all come in, and they're, um, they have 20-plus settled and pending so far this year each. You, went, you mentioned you went to college. Yes. And you graduated? I did graduate. The Syracuse? Yes. Syracuse? Do you ever, 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 ever bring that up on a list? Hey, I'm a Syracuse, unless they're like a Syracuse alum, does that ever help you in the business of real estate? There's a couple people that have said, that's why I called you, but I would, I would say 98.7% of the people I run into don't give a shit. They don't ever ask you? I didn't need to go there. I think for me, it was more about life experience. I went to an all-boys prep school with 34 guys. Oh, and you need to get around some girls when you went well, to college. That's, that's I, what ran, I ran track. Like, that was all good. We had to compete with the girls' school locally. But uh, for me, it was more about life experience than getting an education because the best experience I had was going and selling real estate and being mentored by other agents in the business. And uh, I have a great mentor who's still at my, at my firm, John Collins. He taught me a lot in, in a year I worked with him. It was almost like a stewardship or like a – uh, being an apprentice, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. I learned a ton from that. Coaching, um, I mean, it, you know, th- those are the things that really taught me a lot about real estate, but it also gave me some perspective on how fortunate we are to be in this business. And so a lot you, of people don't appreciate that. You said agents, really good agents can be found. Like like Gary Vee, we went down to Agent 2021. 20, mm-hmm. He says a lot of times, he's like, you, you're either a natural entrepreneur or a natural salesperson or you're not. Like you're like almost born with it, right? And I think his analogy of like 
Like I couldn't, I could practice all day basketball, and I'm not going to be LeBron James. Like yes. I think it works in sports, but do you think it also applies to the business of real estate or business in general? 100% absolutely. There are going to be skills that absolutely. you are better at. Yes. So you think the the dry cleaner and the bartender and, and these types of people that are on your team naturally had it inside of them. They just weren't doing the right job. Well, look at what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, they were, so bartenders are really good at talking you up to sell you drinks Absolutely. and give you a good tip. Well, unless you're just a straight up alcoholic, like, you know, me and my friend, Nicole, you know, that then you don't have to talk us into a drink. Well, I, I don't know. That you <laughs> we're, have not, to talk, we're not alcoholics, by the way. You don't got to twist my arm we're either, but uh, it, it's, uh, you know, that, that's something that we found her and immediately I could tell it was someone that was going to be successful. And I think that had a lot to do with my experience. The dry cleaner on our team, we recruited him from another team. Um, but he was in the customer relationship business. Like, people go to their dry cleaner because they do a good job with their clothes. But you can get that in a lot of places. There's dry cleaners all over the place. But he had an entrepreneurial spirit to go out and open that and run that himself. Um, you know, it, with, with sales, I mean, there's people that I have thought would be good because of what their resume said. And they had yeah. sales experience. Yeah, we just had one. And they sucked. And they can't relate to people. Yeah. They're good at selling what they're selling, not necessarily real estate. So I, there, there, there's, there's a personality for it. No question. What, what lens? So bartenders, what's the ideal personality besides like being able to connect with people? Like people always say like, oh, nurses, like that type of thing. Like people that really care, people that have empathy. So my wife was a nurse. So, yeah, I mean, she, she naturally gravitated towards that. To me, Is she I'm, in the business with you? So she, yeah, she is now our uh, hiring manager and helps us recruit because oh. she cares about the culture more than probably anybody besides me. That's what you were talking about last night at dinner, like having your wife call and say, hey, this is Tom's wife, yeah. as opposed to I'm the Tom Tool recruiter. Yeah. And you, and you think that has a bigger impact? With the way our culture is, we did this like uh, word cloud thing at our retreat this year. The number one thing that came up was friends and family for everyone on the team. That's how they described us. So for us, yeah, that's important. No question. Because you think right off the bat, if she's calling a recruit, an agent, that they're gonna they're gonna get a sense of the culture right off the bat. Yes, and you if people aren't buying into your culture, it's gonna ruin the culture. So you have to like find someone that's gonna want to be part of something bigger than just making money. Because you can make money a lot of places, but you can have a shitty quality of life. Mm -hmm. I don't want that for anybody because then you don't want to go to work every day and you're talking about things and and focused on the negative stuff in your life instead of being positive. So to answer your question. I've actually got a really good answer for this. So there's three things I am clear on that will make a successful real estate agent. Coming from the attitude of gratitude versus having a scarcity mindset. So mm -hmm. think like abundance versus scarcity. Um, you know, being, being grateful, being positive versus having entitlement where they think they're owed a certain amount of sales because they're showing up every day rather than I'm really grateful we helped 20, 30 people this year. That'll be number two. And number three is a fierce personal responsibility of looking yourself in the mirror and knowing that it's your fault all the time no matter what even when it isn't maybe you should have done something differently to make it not your fault what's been because we're going through it right now we're trying to recruit like crazy what's been the heart i mean you've been recruiting for a while trying trying to attract the right agent not just any agent. Yes. what have you found is it you know, and sometimes I fall into this trap where I'm like, mm, there's just not enough of the right fit in my marketplace because it's, it's, there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of agencies, not a lot of people, right? What's, what's been the hardest uh, factor for recruiting for you? So I used to think that I had to be this like super professional person as a realtor. And the real person I am that you know and other people know, I didn't really come through a lot at work. Mm -hmm. to, and, and that was the story I had in my head. It's what I thought I had to do. Um, and the more I showed people who I was and was 
you know, come work for me. Yes, I'm this professional person. That's the client-facing side, which is having sales skills. That's not a bad thing, but not acting like that all the time. Then we started to attract the right people a lot, a lot easier. No, I, I, I had this like bullshit story in my head. I had to be this super professional. I was in my 20s selling real estate. So, I mean, you've seen the way I dress. I wear like a suit everywhere. Yeah. Tie to every appointment, which we, which we still do. I mean, that works, but you got to chill out on that a little bit too when you're dealing with people. Because you see these people, like I see my family and I see the people on our team more than anybody. Like it's not, it's not even close. You're a big believer in the suit. I'm a big believer in showing up and suiting up for work, whatever that means. So maybe that's different in New York City or Connecticut or Shores Hell in New York City is definitely suiting it up, right? Yeah. I, well, Josh Rubin wears like the blazer and some jeans and he looks good. And it, it I was saying, to Nicole, I got to start doing the sports jacket or the blazer. I got to step my game up. I think I look like a total beat off in that. So I usually uh, just either go. What do you mean? What is that? This is pants I'm wearing. No, jeans and the blazer. I just oh, I, jeans and the blazer. I can't do it. I just look like an idiot. Okay. What about me? Do you think I should do it? I, you're much cooler than I am, so it's not very hard. I got to go to the sports tracker or the blazer. I, I got to get my professional game up. Stop making bad jokes. You know, but even though we are drinking wine, we're definitely not. <laughs> al- I do want to make that clear. We're not. We're not alcoholics. All right. So, what are you gonna? How many agents do you ideally want to recruit? Because ten, ten agents right now, three hundred plus deals this year. That's a like a lot of people. We heard the number today that only forty-three thousand agents in the country are doing 25 plus deals. You have 10 of them, right? So with your model, theoretically, you go to 20 and get to 600 deals. Like how big do you want the Tom Tool Group to go? So we have a very clear vision and that's important when you're trying to grow because if you don't and you're just trying to get big to get big, it's not gonna work. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's a method behind everything we're doing. So where we're located, we have uh, right now our physical office in Chester County, um, Westchester, Pennsylvania. We go all the way into the city. So Mainline, Delaware County, those areas. Um, our vision is to get this existing team to 500 transactions and then duplicate it and become a regional company um, in, in the Philadelphia area. So the, and we want to have three locations. That's the plan. Um, and then we kind of reevaluate from there. But that's a goal we set God, you, two years ago. Do you think you can get to 500 with the 10 agents you have right now? We're a little short. Because you just think people are going to get burnt out? I, it's not that. I mean, it, it's that, you know, so... Our agents are, if our per agent productivity is 25, 26, that's almost nine times the national average. Pretty good. Yep. I'm also clear that there's some people that they only want to do 30 deals a year, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, There's some people that want to do 100 deals a year. Awesome. So if we're getting the right person, they're not all going to have the same sort of goals and they're not going to have the same financial needs that maybe others have. So knowing what our per agent productivity is, we're basing that now. Maybe I'd love to be short on that number, but right now I'm clear we need another four agents to hit 500. Another four. I mean, we 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 know our numbers, right? I think hopefully you guys can get that. How's I'm super curious because because again we're going through some some recruiting stuff like to find the right one, like the right number 11. How many agents are you going to have to talk to, and how much time are you going to have to spend with each one of those recruits to find that 11th agent? So one higher in packs because. Not everyone's going to make it, and there's nothing worse than spending a lot of time on somebody. And okay, then they so you think out. when you hire, like, bring in five to get the two or three? We've, we've, that, hi- that we've hired pairs, and that's worked really well. Okay. Um, so in the past 12 months, because we've figured this out over the past 12 months, we've hired, let me go through the numbers here. So we brought on two in November of 2016 that stuck, uh, and they, they both did well last year. And we brought another two on in the summertime. They both stuck. They're doing well. We brought another two on in the fall, one stuck. And most recently bought another two. So we're at seven out of eight 
Okay, that's a that's really good. But it's also the, the interview process is a lot different. I mean, it's like I ask questions in the interview, like what was your financial environment like growing up? Because okay. that's going to cut out a lot of the BS. Or, you know, I I, I try to get to know them. Um, Yaslin Hollow. Uh, I'm hoping I'm, I might be butchering her name. She wrote a book called "Put the You in Recruiting." I saw her speak in the fall of 2016. Yeah, I read the book. Yeah, it's super. She's simple She's down book. in Florida. Yeah, she's down in Florida. Yeah, it's like a pamphlet. It's a great book. It, but it, it's like a how-to and. Um, so I called her out of desperation because I was horrible at trying to recruit. And um, we spent a half hour on the phone, and she said, here, here, take everyone out to coffee and if, if you're really considering hiring them. So that's part of our hiring process because then it's <clears throat> you're not in my office or in the bullpen with our, like, scoreboard up and a poster behind me that says stop focusing on dumb shit. Like, that's an intimidating environment to come into. So let's go meet somewhere on neutral territory. Um, and, and this is what the prospect's thinking, too. I mean, you have to disarm them a little bit, let their guard down so you can see what they're really like. And I'm not talking about anything about business. It's, what's your, like, you're married? Tell me about that. Like, how'd you meet your husband or your wife? What are your kids like? What do you do for fun? Here's what I do. Like, here's, you know, I'm, I'm very open and transparent and authentic. And that, that um, Tom Billu said, those are the kingmakers these days, back in January, if you recall that, from the Elite event. So uh, when we do that, it's, let me find out if I like them, because if you hire someone you don't like, it's never going to work no matter what. Period. End of story. Do you want to show up with people you don't like no. every day, never. five days a week, working never. your fucking balls off? I hope I can say that here. <laughs> yeah, of but, course uh, you can. Um, this, is, this is a true East Coast so I, podcast. I, you know, I'm, it, but so that's, that, that's, that's been a big part of this for me, and our best hires have been the ones I've really gotten to know beforehand. All right, cool. Because then I'm like, yeah, this is going to work. All right, so now that I just you know, cannibalized the entire first part of the podcast so that yeah, I can get good, like, man. the information for us and our team, let's switch gears a little bit. What's, what, do you, what do you believe is the biggest disruption in our industry today? We're in 2018. Like, what's the biggest disruptor? Is it these companies like Open Door and Trailer and all this stuff? Is it you know, something the agents aren't doing? Like, what's the biggest disruptor to the real estate agent today? What I would say about those companies is we've been through this before. Remember, like assist to sell, and I don't even I don't even know the like, uh, like all those like website companies, limited yep. service. We've we've seen this all, and then they all flamed out when the market took a crap in two thousand eight. Um, when I I went through that, so that was not easy. And so I don't know their disruption. I think you're always going to see that, especially when the market's hot, because people are always trying to save money. They might that may not be your ideal client. Um, to me, the biggest disruptor is the inventory levels that we are seeing right now because it is challenging a lot of agents to work like really hard mm -hmm. but necessarily not necessarily working more intelligently and more efficiently and more effectively and they end up in a position where they're chasing business instead of doing the daily activities to generate business like a like a company should so i, I mean I, I you know people try to adapt to the market and i know that there's there's stuff that's tried and true that works all the time there's a reason it works all the time Good or okay. bad market. So I don't know if that was the answer you're looking for. No, that's my th those field. are great answers. I mean, base. I mean, Gary Keller basically thinks they're all going to flame out. If you saw the the well, Inman SF, Gary Keller is losing his shit right now, and you know Keller Williams was that company, right? So I don't know that they were a hundred percent. Not that, not that, that I'm a hater, but I mean, no, neither am I. I'm, I'm actually a huge fan of KW. I, I mean, look at what they built. But I mean, you know, when you go on stage and start yelling like you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong at people, right? That tells me that they may not have been set up for the long run. Okay, so if you, but if you honestly believe a lot of these disruptor companies could potentially flame out, like an assist, assist to sell. There'll be a couple little stick. There'll be a couple little stick. Are there features within it? Like I personally think the open door feature of being able to access houses without 
buyer oh, agents. That's, that's, that's the biggest pain point right now for a lot of buyers is they're, they're stuck with these buyer agents that don't pick up their goddamn phone and, and are not available. And they like they, they get so busy, the service drops. So that's why I'm a big believer in the team because, hey, you know, we got 10 people that can help you, even though you're working with one agent. What's your what's your listing ratio to buy side ratio? Are you, are you more inventory based? So we carry Collecting inventory. We carry between 20 to 35 listings on average um, this year. Year so to you're date, doing a lot of buyers then? Well, if you're doing 300 deals. Well, year to date, so year to date, we've got a little over 200 settled and pending. Okay. Um, and 95 of those are listings. So it's relatively close 50 50. Um, right now, I'm about a third of the production. So, I mean, you guys can do the math, and that's that's mostly listings. There's been like a couple buyer deals here and there. But uh, so we're, we're, we're close to 50 50. But I would actually prefer it to be 50 50 with like four listing agents, and then we generate another one or two transactions from every listing we take no matter what because we have mega open houses and seller attraction open houses like i mean there's ways to daisy chain those deals by taking a listing and that's what we're trying to leverage right now do you do you think more people with technology like that right like being able to access a house with a buyer agent do you think more of these companies whether they're traditional or a new company are going to be doing on both sides of the transaction over the next five years do you think you're going to see more of that because it's easier for someone to act. If someone's set up right, whether they're a brokerage or whatever, and they're able to schedule quick showings, mm-hmm. and then they like the property, okay, well, I'm just going to buy it. Do you think you'll see more agents on both sides of the deal in the future? I, I, I'm clear you will because the listing agents attract the buyers because people see who's listing, and they're like, okay, what do you have coming up? Like, they want to get in that conversation with them. What I would also say is that there's a couple underutilized features right now. Coming soon listings on Zillow. If you're not doing that for your sellers, like that is not a smart move because tell me about that. So you have to pay your premier agent on Zillow. Yeah. It costs a couple hundred bucks a month just to be a premier agent. Not not the advertising, but I'm talking getting like your, your profile upgraded and have those features, right? Yep. So who wouldn't want a pre marketing campaign when inventory is at its lowest levels at, ever, at least in our market, I know most markets, why wouldn't you want people finding out beforehand instead of having to react to something popping up on the MLS? So you're taking a listen, you're going you're going Coming soon on Zillow for what, a week? It depends how, how soon they want to get start showings, but I mean, I, I prefer to do it like a week to two weeks so people know when it's coming on the market. They can drive by, they can do their due diligence. You're going to weed through a lot of people, and the most serious people are going to be the ones that come in. But that gives, like, I mean, these are big decisions. So why wouldn't you want some time to make it? A lot of buyers, they feel pressured and they have like a half hour to make a decision because there's an offer deadline or wh- whatever it is. So to me. Now, are you, now if the right offer comes along and they're coming soon? Time period? Are you taking it? That's up to the seller. Up to the seller. That's not my call. Yeah. But uh, we don't start showing it until when we're going to start showings. Got it. I mean, that's, you know, that, I mean, that's, again, this is up it's to the mostly, seller at the end of the day. You're mostly building out, okay, where's our interest level? Are we at yeah, the right you, price you because we're down getting with, a lot of interest? Well, you double down, like you hit a hit, so you, week or two pre-marketing, double down with a mega open house that weekend, start showings on a Friday, don't look at offers till Monday. That gives everyone a chance to get there. That's going to generate the best result for the seller versus oh, this home's on the market, I better go run over there right away. And that's how so many agents operate because they don't understand that there's value in this. A lot of agents complain about coming. I mean, you've heard this, yeah. right? Oh, this, this, this should be, a, why? It's better for the customer. Here's a question I'm asking a lot of people, even out here. What do you think the commission rate, the average commission rate is going to be in 2025? Same, higher, lower? What side of the transaction? Just the overall transaction, right? Like the average commission rate. What's the average commission in your market? 
So the average is, is between five and six. Okay. Higher or lower in 2025? Or the same? All right, so 2025, let's, do, let's reverse engineer this. So we're seven like years. seven years. So, so we're probably, probably, probably going to- Back in like the beginnings of a good market cycle, I would say. Could be. Or the, or the end of a bad market. Yep. So we're, we're at that, at that point, that's when the fees go up. Because you really need someone that knows what they're doing. Go up, meaning they're, they've come down in a bad market, and now they're going back up to, to where they are today? Or do you think we're getting to a place where, because, because I do think some of these features eat into what the agent does. Maybe you're not always showing every single property because you have an open door feature. So if you're eating into some of these features, does that eat into a percentage of the commission rate ultimately in the end? So my, my feel on this may be a little different, but uh, I, I come from a real estate family, and for the most part, the fees have stabilizers, ups and downs as the market fluctuates. So by then, I don't, I don't know that we're going to see a big difference. What, what I foresee is that people are going to be more selective with their agent they pay that fee to. Because if you hire some knucklehead that just got their license, maybe they're not worth as much as the 20-year vet who's survived three down markets and knows how to navigate this. Okay. It's like, kind of like a law firm. You can always get the cheap law firm. But yeah. you want the good representation, you pay for it. Yeah, 100%. That, that's a really good point. So when the market comes back, let's, let's play it out. Let's say that in 2025, we've seen you know, a, a market that's recessed a little bit and we're coming back up. Do you think, I, I know where you, you think the commissions are going to be up. Do you think there's going to be what always happens, more agents coming back into the market? Or do you think technology is going to replace that? We know agents are going to get wiped out. Do you think they actually come back on the next upswing? Like they always do. Like right now, everybody's in real estate school in Connecticut. People are hitting us up all the time. I'm in real estate school. I'm in real estate school. Do you think that happens again? Or do you think technology replaces that and those new agents don't come in? So, I mean, there's people out there right now developing technology to replace agents. There's no right. question. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they're coming from, but it's out there. I mean, that, that, that's, that's very clearly what's going on. Um, where I see agents having a place in this is the advice and the counsel that you get, just like you do from your financial advisor. Yeah, there's E-Trade. There's those companies out there, but you want the good advice? Like, you need to get really educated on that. So for the consumer that wants to educate and do that themselves, yeah, they're probably not using an agent. But wouldn't that lean more towards, okay, if I'm at a certain price point, right? Like, your your everyday investor is going to use E-Trade or those, those types of things. Like, maybe your lower price points are like, hmm, I just want the really easy route. But my luxury client, certainly I'm going to hire the best law firm. I'm going to hire, you know, a financial planner. So is I mean, kind of what I'm hearing is maybe it's just going to be the luxury buyers and sellers. See, I, I don't know that I would agree with that. I mean, agents are going to have a place. The question is, what's the place going to be? And yeah, it's going to be more automated. Everything's getting more automated right now. I mean, you, I have a dry cleaner now, right? This is a great example. He texts me every Friday, do you have a pickup or not? I don't have to go in there. I don't have to show up. He's and, picking up? <sighs> dude, my dry cleaner how do you not have the pickup, man? Or in a very little New England town. It's very old school. Um, there, there's none of that happening. Year old house, man. My, my Philadelphia is not like an old school, like a new school place. <laughs> you got a lot of human beings in yes. your in your town. Fair enough. That's, Fifth largest metro market. Yeah. Um, you know, technology is going to replace things. The agents who know what they're doing will find a way to prove the value. So that, but it's like there's an 87 percent failure rate in real estate. So that's not going to change. It's what I mean. Th there's going to be a way where it's going to be easier for buyers to look at homes. There's no question about that. Buyer's agents right now, it's hard work being an agent on the buy side. It's not a high skill level being on the buy side. Your 10-person team, are you putting in place ways for people to automatically schedule a house and go see it on their time? We're working on that right now. You are? 
And what we're also working on is how to get every agent on our team to be a dominant listing agent so they have better skills than other people in the marketplace so they can provide value. That's, I really, really like that because a lot of people are like, okay, we're just gonna, you're just gonna be a buyer agent forever type of thing. That sucks. No, I, I agree. I, mean, what, I agree with you. Let me tell you something. If someone said that to me when I was 22 years old, I would have turned around and walked out. I mean, that, that's just not going to happen. But that's maybe the difference between you and me and some other people out there. So if you're a brand new agent and you're listening to this, what's the one thing you need to do? One thing. So there's a lot of things. The one thing I would say is find a place where there's room for growth, but you got to work your ass off to grow. Meaning join a team. I don't know how a lot of these people are still in business that are individual practitioners right now because I see what their clients go through and they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars purchasing a home and they don't get any good advice. I mean, they fall into it. What I, I mean, there's a lot of good independent agents out there, but if you're talking about scale, I, I, don't, I don't know joining a team is the right answer, but find a place where you can grow, work your ass off and deliver value because you got to have a game plan. Just like I told you what our vision is, you got to have your own vision. Like where, where do you want to be in five or 10 years? All right, last question, then we'll, then we'll tie this thing up. If you could change one thing, you know, magic wand, change one thing in our industry. So maybe it's NAR, maybe it's um, maybe it's the fact that you only go to school. I don't know what it is in, in Philadelphia and Connecticut. It's like 60, 60 hours. hours. It's 60 hours for us too. Um, what would that one thing be that take a magic wand, change in our industry? Better professional standards. No question about it. Some of these people don't know what to do how to present something. How do you do that? Do you do that through jacking up the hours? Do you do that like? I don't know that you jack up the hours. Or do you say, okay, you can't hold your license if you're not doing, I don't know, 12, if you're not doing a deal a month or if you're not doing averaging 12 See, deals I, a year I don't, or something. Or, I don't believe in that. I mean, that, that that's, you know, that's something where it's, you, you can about have low markets, professional yeah. standards and still do deals. Uh, you know, it's, you know, maybe it's just some sort of class, like how to act like a professional. Like that's one of the core values at our team. And if we see someone that shows up and they're not professional, and interpret that as you will. They're not going to be on the team. And this is a major purchase people make. And the consumer deserves a lot better. And some of these people, the way they act, the way they talk to their clients, you don't see attorneys doing this. You don't see doctors doing this. Why should we go down to their level? To me, it should be the other way around. Well, you got a lot of bad attorneys out there. I mean, you got a lot of bad be, attorneys, but you know let's what? Be real. You know what? They don't do business. And they're, it's harder to become an attorney yeah. than an. And then, and then once you, if you get in the right place, you can be successful. It's really easy to become a realtor, but it's hard to be successful. So some sort of professional standards, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I can tell you there's a lot of agents out there right now that don't even know the goddamn contract that they're filling out with their clients, what it says or what the rules are. That's a problem for the, the consumer. Forget about the agent. That's the consumer's problem. And I find myself educating people on our standard agreement of sale. We use the same contract every freaking time. It, do, it doesn't change. Well, and we're going to wrap this up, but the contract side of things, a lot of it's going digital. It is going digital, but then when something bad happens, I don't know what to do. i got to call my broker. Or I don't know what the deadlines are, and people are losing deposit money. And some of these agents, they don't know that. They just have them sign it digitally. They don't read the fucking thing at all. I mean, I, I, do you run into this? I mean, I find my... Yeah, uh, yeah and, 100%. And so, you know, that, that's, that's someone's money at stake, and they're making... Our average sale price is three hundred forty-five thousand right now. That's a th that's a third of a million dollars, which is a lot of money to a lot of people. Um, you know, even a hundred thousand-dollar house—it's a lot of money. And if someone doesn't understand how, like that—that's that, the issue I have is that I see agents not acting with their clients' best interest in mind, and that that really just ticks me off. And it's the consumer deserves better. Bottom line. All right, 
Last question, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Are your Eagles going to go back-to-back? I don't think they are, but what do you think? So the statistics would say that they would not go (laughs) back-to-back. If you look at the NFC over the past 12 years, the only back-to-back participant is the Seattle Seahawks, and they barely made it the second time. And they lost, uh, and they lost that devastating loss well, to the Patriots, right? Th- that great play call by Pete Carroll. The, what a call that what a, was. What a call. And you know, Malcolm I got, I got, Butler, who didn't even play in the Super Bowl I against beast your mode. Eagles, yes. made the big pick. I got beast mode in the back, but I'm, I'm going to throw it for no reason. I heard he did that at a drive through He just threw the money at someone. Do you uh, think if Malcolm Butler played, you guys would have won that Super Bowl? Dude, who, who the hell? <laughs> if Carson Wentz would have played, would they, like, I mean, you don't yeah. know. Carson, that's a good, that's a good debate because Nick Foles was on fire. All right, so who, who wins? Is it the Eagles or somebody else? So... I'm picking the fucking birds, man. I mean, how can I not? Are <laughs> of you kidding me? You are. That was a what I will say is, what I will say is, they have a quarterback who got them into Super Bowl contention, but didn't win it himself. He's going to be playing with the chip on his shoulder, and that's that's my only comment for the for for that. All right, where can, you're doing a little show. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Great. So, um, check out our YouTube channel, um, and we have two shows that we run. One is for agents, so it's called Agent Hacks. Yeah, and, and you're supposed to have me on Agent House. Yes, which we, we're working on. I mean, we're, we're sitting here in California right now filming this uh, podcast or recording it, uh, filming too. So um, Agent Hacks is tips for realtors that you can easily implement in your business. It's not some big lead generation system, but it's like put this clause in the contract and it's going to buy you some more free time. I like that. I'd, lo- I'd love you guys to check that out. It's stuff I've learned from actually like working in the business. Uh, for consumers, Tom's Take, I think we're on episode like 80 or something. Tom's Take is phenomenal if you're in that I was inspired f- by Byron. No, come yes, on now. No. Don't, call, don't call him bullshit, man. I told you this. Like, don't, don't act like, oh, man. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of video. Um, our website's tomtool.com. And uh, if you are looking to buy or sell a home in the Philadelphia area, we can hook it up. And if you're not, we can put you in touch with a great agent like Byron in Connecticut. So it's, it's all good. Appreciate that, man. Tom Tool with an E, one of my favorite people in the industry, dude. <laughs> You're the man. Thank you. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. Pause. We're, we're coming time back out. in. Time out. Bonus round. Chris Weber, time out. What, do we have a bonus question before we end this Tom Tool podcast? What, what do you got, Nicole? This is Nicole White chiming in. Oh, Jesus. Sean Penn, I believe he's an actor. All right. The podcast is over. Thank you, Tom. <laughs>